0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, T.O.D. Anderson. Today, we're going to be talking about when good people love bad dogs. And I'm not talking bad Is in the dog peed on your rug or he stole underwear when you had guests over and embarrassed you. I'm talking about aggressive, dangerous dogs. Why do people fall in love with these dogs? Why do we want to rescue them? There's a video going around recently. It went viral and it's been on the national news with a wonderful cat saving a boy from a dog attack. There's been other news about dogs that have a bite history that have been very severe, but people always come out of the woodwork wanting to adopt these dogs. We're going to talk about that. We'll also talk about what constitutes a bad dog, including what insurance companies say is a breed problem. And I'll also share tips on recognizing aggression in your dog early when there's a greater chance of helping him. More about all of this when we return on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet, at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. This is T.O.D. Anderson, and you're listening to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. Today, we're talking about when good people love bad dogs. Now, hopefully you've seen this video. It is hard to watch. If not, you can easily find it on Google or YouTube. But there's a video going around that has this child on a tricycle, and he's in his own yard. And there is a medium-sized dog, it was said to be a Labrador Chow mix that comes around the car. He's not being provoked by the child at all. He comes around the car, pulls the toddler off of the tricycle, and attacks him. And then out of the blue, out of off-camera, this was all done by surveillance video, this cat comes and completely attacks the dog, gets him out of the picture. And as this video is rotating through the internet, and as I'm seeing it on Facebook and, and other social media sites, people are saying, wow, look at that cat. And all my trainer colleagues are going, oh, look at that dog. (laughs) The cat was remarkable, and the cat was amazing, and thank goodness the cat was there. The mom rushes into the picture frame soon after that as well. But, of course, being someone involved in canine behavior, my interest was the dog. That dog was extremely dangerous. That dog was not being provoked by the child. The pulling him off the tricycle, the shake bite that he did to that child's leg. The child did require stitches as well from that incident That is predation. It's not necessarily aggression. It's more predation. That dog intended to harm that child and, I believe, kill that child. If that cat had not intervened, and yay to the cat, I'm not discounting the cat at all, and if the mother hadn't been there quickly, I have no doubts that that would have been a terrible, terrible situation for that poor little boy. As it was, he was still injured pretty severely, and hopefully he's not developed a fear of dogs because of that. How the dog got out all that stuff is, is aside, the dog intended harm to that toddler. And this is going around. It's on national news. And about 200 people at last count that I read volunteered to adopt that dog. The dog was put into quarantine in the shelter. And 200 people said that they wanted to take the dog, including some a well-known trainer celebrity. Well, last month in Monroe, North Carolina... There was an incident in a shelter that had taken in a German Shepherd dog. The the owner was never found for this dog. And he had a known bite history. This dog was known to be a biter. When they were evaluating him in the shelter, he bit several people. And there was great public pressure and a public outcry to let the dog be adopted. And they were just flooded with social media petitions and all this public pressure to release this dog. So they did. They adopted the dog out. And during a training session, this German shepherd had an aggressive episode. Somebody called the police. He bit three people, including the deputy, who ended up shooting and killing the dog. You know, one shelter adopted a dog out. And the shelter with the dog that recently attacked the little boy on the tricycle did not adopt the dog out. There was a lot of public pressure to adopt that dog out, but they didn't do it. And the questions today are not about shelters making these decisions. Shelters are under tremendous strain. They have limited resources, limited budget, and they're under a lot of pressure. It seems that no matter what decision they make, they're doomed. Someone's not going to be happy with it. And I don't envy being put in that position at all. I have been put in positions as a professional trainer where I've had to recommend some really hard choices for people. And it's never easy. And you always second guess yourself. But some of these decisions have to be made, especially when we're dealing with an animal that can kill people. So the shelter that chose not to adopt the dog out, the dog in the viral video now, that dog was euthanized recently. Their claim was, why would we adopt this dog out that is known to be aggressive, that has already attacked and seriously injured a child, when I've got all these dogs here in the shelter that need homes now, that haven't bitten anyone, and they're perfectly lovely. These are great dogs. They'd be wonderful family pets. What is it that makes people want these dogs? What is it about people that write people in prison, the serial killers, and say they've they've never met in person, but they swear that they're soulmates and they want to marry them. Why do these serial killers and these convicted people get these offers of marriage? What is it about people that makes them want to do that? And I have no answers to this question. I'm just posing the question today, and we're going to talk about it. But it is, I think, an interesting topic to explore. I would love your take on it as well. So, if you are, are so inclined, find us on Facebook at Positive Results on Facebook. And whenever Pet Life Radio posts one of my podcasts, I always post it on the Facebook page. So you can find updates on that Facebook page about the podcasts on Pet Life Radio. So when I post that this one goes live, chime in on the discussion. Would love to hear from you. So let's explore some possibilities. Again, I don't have all the answers, but let's think about this. You have All these lovely dogs that can be friendly and social and love children, they're already house-trained in many cases with these rescue organizations and shelters, but people want the bad one. They want the one that has hurt people or the one that has, you know, tremendous, tremendous psychological issues. What is it? And I have a couple theories to throw out there. One I think is that most people do realize it's not always the dog's fault. It's not the dog's fault. What made that dog the way he was? We don't know. I don't know. I was not consulted on that case. I've never met that dog. I don't have a a case history. What makes any dog bite? There are lots of triggers, which we will talk about today so you can help prevent them in your dog. But I think Some of the reasons might be that people know it's not the dog's fault, especially when the dog bites out of fear. If the dog feels trapped and it lashes out and bites somebody, people feel terrible about that and they think, well, you know, he was put in a situation that he couldn't control and that's why he bit. So I want to take this dog home and I want to give it a safe environment. Um, I will say that in the case of the dog that attacked the child on the tricycle, fear was not the issue. That dog was not afraid. (laughs) That dog had intent. So that was not a fearful issue there. But there are Dogs that bite out of fear. And I think people want to save them. I think there is a natural inclination in some people to want to save the underdog, to save the dog that does not have a good outlook. And we're glad we have those folks out there because there are dogs that are not as severely challenged as the ones we're talking about today, but do get second chances because of wonderful people with big hearts. But I do think that there's that savior thing where they can go in and save them. Sometimes I also think it's ego. I do know people like that where they think, well, obviously this dog has been around all these people throughout its entire life. They couldn't fix it, but I'm going to be the one to fix it. It's going to be me, me, me. And I'm sure you know people like that too. They think that they're the only ones who can rush in there on their white horse and rescue this dog and make it well. So I do think it's ego. Not always. I think that's one of the reasons. I also think that Some people are just following their hearts. I think that good intentions sometimes outweigh common sense, that they don't always have a realistic understanding and realistic expectations for what that dog needs and what that dog is capable of. I do think that many people who want to adopt these challenging, aggressive dogs do have really, really big hearts, but then they're going to be put in a situation that they cannot handle. We have a saying in training that uh, management always fails. And while I counsel my aggressive dog clients all the time on the importance of management, by that I mean the use of barriers and muzzles and different things to keep the dog away from triggers that is likely to cause an aggressive episode, management always fails. How many times have you locked your keys out of the house? Or how many times have you locked the keys in the car? (laughs) I did that once with the car running. That was terribly embarrassing. Management always fails. You may have not locked yourself out of the house for years and years and years, and one day you do, and you feel really stupid because these things happen. The kid's going to leave the gate open. Someone's going to forget to latch the door in a certain way or put the baby gate up before they let company in. Management always fails. And I think some folks who really have these big intentions and and big hearts can bring these dogs in and then they find themselves a little bit overwhelmed with as much management as it truly takes to house an aggressive dog, especially some dogs. Some dogs have very few triggers. Some dogs have many, many triggers, and those can be really, really time-consuming and exhausting to have in your home. I think those folks are also the ones that adopt the special needs dogs, and I've had special needs pets before, so I completely understand this desire to save a dog, especially if it's physically ill. You know, you have dogs that go into the shelter and most of the dogs are healthy and they've had their shots and they don't have any deep-seated illnesses or physical conditions that cause problems. And then a rescue organization will get in the dog that has heartworms and a broken pelvis and needs a wheelchair and and needs thousands and thousands of dollars worth of special surgeries and, and medications. And there are folks who adopt them and then they end up you know, maxing out the credit cards and, and now they can't pay their own bills because they get in over their heads. And I do think that that's the case with certain people too. As an owner of two animals with cancer, I will tell you that it is expensive. It is expensive to treat. I would pay every penny again for the animals that I had, but it's not easy to come up with those funds all the time. And, and you can't be judged if you cannot. Another reason why I think people adopt these bad dogs, is because there's a lack of education on canine behavior. They see the dog and they see that he bit, but maybe they don't really understand the extent. Like I said, when this video was going around, everybody was talking about the cat and the cat was awesome. But again, my trainer colleagues and I are going, oh my gosh, did you see the way his head was? Did you see that shake bite? Did you see this, that, the other thing? Because we are professionals in canine behavior and students of canine behavior, always pursuing continuing education. And we knew the intent that dog was going to have. So many times I'll be working with a potential aggressive case and I'll be observing the dog and the person will say, oh, he's playing. And I'm like, no, no, he's not. That's really not playing. That's not good. People don't see it. They don't see when their dogs are afraid and they don't see when their dogs are aggressive. And sometimes those are very much related. So again, why do people fall in love with these bad dogs? Why do they want to adopt them? Why do they want to spend all those resources when there are perfectly lovely dogs available? I don't know. I don't know. In, in meantime other dogs are being euthanized because the shelter had to make room for more incoming dogs or a rescue organization didn't have enough foster homes. It's a pretty tragic situation all around and a difficult one, too. So what exactly constitutes a bad dog? Some say it's the breed, and we're going to talk more about that when we come back right after these messages. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Victoria Schaefer, aspiring actress, babysitter extraordinaire, college student, and animal enthusiast, is on her own for the first time in New York City. Follow Victoria and her two dogs, Rue and Echo, as she cares for her furry friends and juggles home life and career, all the while managing to survive in the world's most hectic city. The exciting animal adventures and secret stories from both ends of the leash that make up the Tales of the City. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet let <laughs> Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm Tootie Anderson. We are talking about when good people love bad dogs. We've been talking about some specific dogs in the news and incidents when shelters would adopt those dogs out and shelters that don't adopt those dogs out or people that sell them. It's not just related to these particular shelter situations. Some people will have an aggressive known dog and adopt it out themselves knowing that the dog has a bite history, which is is not necessarily an ethical thing to do. It's interesting that the dog in Monroe, North Carolina, the German Shepherd that was shot by the deputy, in order for the shelter to adopt that dog out, they got a special disclosure from their attorney that they had to draft just for this particular case. We would suggest that if you have to draft a special disclosure from your lawyer, that might be a warning flag that this may not be a good idea, in my personal opinion. But they were trying to succumb to work with the public on this, that there was this great outcry to adopt this dog. And it can be difficult. We also talked about how some people can't recognize when a dog is aggressive. I see that a lot, actually. So what makes a bad dog? What says, oh, this dog is bad versus another? There are a couple situations where legislators and insurance companies will tell you it's the breed of dog that just because a dog is a certain breed, that is going to define it as dangerous. There is something called BSL. You may be familiar with it. That is the acronym for breed-specific legislation. And breed-specific legislation is the banning of specific breeds within an area. It could be a city. It could be a town. It could be a state. Most of BSL that you hear is against pit bull terriers, American pit bull terriers. And there are also insurance companies that will not give you homeowners coverage if you have certain breeds of dogs, they've done various research on their own or they've, they've listened to media reports and they have come up with their own lists. Every insurance company is different, but there was a recent article in Psychology Today by Dr. Stanley Corrin and – He did some research on the 14 most common breeds of dogs, which appear on virtually all the lists of insurance companies, that they will not give you homeowner's coverage. Remember, your homeowner's coverage is what covers you for liability. So if somebody comes on your property and trips and breaks a leg, you are responsible because you own the land. Your insurance company would cover that. Well, if you own one of these dogs and someone comes onto your property and gets bitten or injured by one of these dogs, that's what the insurance companies are looking at. And I can certainly understand they're looking at the bottom line. Insurance is expensive and claims are expensive. In fact, in this article, it talks about how there was a quote from an insurance industry that says dog bite related claims accounted for more than one third of all homeowners insurance liabilities claims paid out in 2013. And that amounted to about $490 million. The average claim was $30,000. That's a lot of money. So I can understand why they're worried, but they've decided, and his research showed these 14 breeds, I'll tell them to you now, they're not in any particular order. Pit bull terriers, Staffordshire Terriers, Rottweilers, German Shepherds, Presa Canarios, Chow Chows, Doberman Pinchers, Akitas, Wolf Hybrids, Mastiffs, Cane Corsos, Great Danes, Alaskan Malamutes, and Siberian Huskies. These 14 breeds were on almost all of the lists that insurance companies said were dangerous dogs. Why is this important to know? Well, one, you might want to find an insurance company that doesn't do that. And there are out there. There are some great insurance companies that will not simply write off a dog because of its breed. But you also need to research that on your own too with your particular insurance company because you don't want to go to the shelter or a rescue organization and bring home this adorable sweetie pie pit bull puppy only to find out you've just lost your homeowner's insurance. So do keep that in mind if you were not aware of that. But you can be turned down or your homeowner's insurance can be taken away if you have one of these breeds of dogs depending on your specific insurance company. It is breed-specific legislation and breed labeling effective? No, no, it's not. For every pit bull terrier that has attacked somebody, I could introduce you to many, many, many pit bulls that have not. I have known pit bulls and Akitas and Dobermans, German Shepherds, Rottweilers, who have been wonderful therapy dogs going into children's hospital, comforting children and, and the elderly who are sick in different facilities, nursing homes. It's not the breed. What we have to look at is the behavior. And truly, in essence, there aren't bad dogs. There are dogs that exhibit behaviors we don't like, bad behaviors. We call them bad dogs in shorthand, but in essence, it doesn't mean that a dog is evil. It doesn't mean that a dog is cruel and out to get people and just this little monster. They have triggers that cause behaviors that are not desirable, including very, very dangerous, serious behaviors that can hurt people. And of course, if you have a Great Dane biting you versus a Chihuahua, Well, you're going to have a lot more damage. And that's another reason why these dogs are probably up on the list. Most of them are pretty big dogs. But again, it all depends on the individual dog. I have a chow in my group class right now who is as friendly as a golden retriever. She is the sweetest, kissiest thing you've ever met. You can't say that, oh my gosh, you know, she's vicious. Therefore, she should not, her owner should not have homeowner's insurance. There's also been recent studies that show that breed-specific legislation doesn't work. And I think the reason why it doesn't work is because it doesn't address the problem. The problem is the people. If you have a known history of aggression in your dog and you let that dog interact with the public, you are asking for a disaster. And that's a person problem, not a breed problem. That dog could be a dachshund. It could be whatever, but it doesn't address the behavior. What is better than breed-specific legislation is dangerous dog legislation. Take the package away from it. Behavior is what you want to look for, not the package it comes in. Just because it looks like something doesn't mean that a dog is going to inherently be dangerous. You've got to look at that behavior. And there are some states and municipalities that have adopted dangerous dog legislation and it's so much more effective and it really addresses that it's a people problem that if people have these dangerous dogs they need to do something about it so there are some really progressive insurance companies and municipalities out there so you just have to do your research and find out what they are especially if you own these dogs if you are an owner of any of those breeds of dogs you know how wonderful they are and you also know that there are examples of that breed that aren't so wonderful And you do have to know that. Another important thing about those breeds, I do want to add, is that you do have to understand them. They are big dogs. They are potentially dangerous in terms of the damage they can do should they go bad. So you do need to truly understand the breed or breed mix that you bring into your living room and make sure that you do right by that dog. So we talk about bad behaviors. Well, what can cause them? Well, the most common cause of aggression is fear in dogs. And fear can... Happen for a lot of reasons, mainly lack of socialization. Puppies have a critical socialization window of about, (sighs) there's controversy among trainers. There's always controversy among trainers. But let's say between 12 and 20 weeks. I like to go with about 16. I split the middle. And up until about 16 weeks, puppies get impressions that they hold the rest of their lives. If they have really bad experiences during that time, they will remember that into adulthood. And it can cause fear and aggression into adulthood. It also can cause problems if a dog has never been positively exposed to certain things. So you go to the shelter, you find this really cute dog, you bring it home, and it's terrified of your husband. Absolutely terrified. Every time your husband, who is a dog lover, approaches this dog, the dog is cowering and peeing on itself and trying to hide behind you. Most people would say, oh, he must have been abused by a man. But the most common reason is he may not have been exposed to a lot of men during that zero to 16 weeks. It happens a lot with children. If a puppy has not been positively exposed, in which case that children came into its life and it thought they were wonderful, then it can develop a fear of children. It's not that kids poked it with a stick or beat it or chased it around the house. It's that it just never saw them. So if it wasn't exposed to a lot of them, he thinks they're little aliens and he doesn't know what to do with them. And he can act aggressively because Fearful dogs only have three choices, usually. They can either shut down, they can flee, or they can attack. They can try to defend themselves. And while it can be easier socially to deal with the ones that flee or shut down, dogs certainly can act aggressively, mainly due to fear. Most of the cases I get with aggression are due to fear. The dog is afraid of traffic, so it lunges at the cars. It is afraid of other dogs. It had a bad experience with other dogs, or it wasn't socialized to other dogs of different breeds, During that critical socialization period, so now every dog that doesn't look like his breed is an alien and he wants to bark and lunge at it. Another thing that can cause aggression is medical problems. I had an interesting case once with a Boykin Spaniel, and these were great clients. They love this dog very much. They had several dogs, and most cases of aggression do not happen out of the blue. The dog doesn't suddenly turn. There are usually signs ahead of time that something was building or the dog was unhappy or upset or nervous or stressed but people don't know what to look for. So when I do my assessments, I take this thorough history. I want to find out exactly what's going on. So I did this thorough history. I'm asking questions like the best detective on the planet and I'm coming up with nothing. I'm completely dumbfounded by this. Nothing is matching up. No, there's no trigger that I can figure out with this particular dog. And when the dog would have an aggressive episode, he would do damage. He did damage to other dogs. He did damage to people. So, could not find any commonalities here. It was just driving me crazy. And finally, an offhand comment by my client led to the solution. I was asking about the most recent episode and she said, yeah, next thing we know it, all the dogs left the room and then he attacked me and he bit me. And I said, all your other dogs left the room. She said, yeah, they all left. And then he attacked me. And I said, was he growling before that? She goes, no, he was just standing there. Some of the dogs were lying down and another dog was standing next to him. But the dog who was aggressive, the boykin, was just standing there. And all of a sudden, all the dogs left the room. I said, well, well, let's look back at some of these previous episodes. Has that happened before? She said, it didn't happen the first time. But come to think of it, every attack he's had, all my other dogs have left about 15 to 20 seconds. Well, these dogs were sensing something that humans could not. And I said, take this dog to the vet. Well, sure enough, the dog had a brain tumor, and he was having seizures, and the seizures were triggering the aggressive episodes. And the dogs could sense the fact that the dog was about to have a seizure or coming into the seizure before any human could possibly detect that. And the dogs were leaving the room. They're like, we're out of here. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's the clue. That's the commonality. These other dogs recognized there was a problem. So sometimes it can be medical. It can be absolutely be medical. As dogs get older, they get arthritic. They lose their hearing, so they're more startled. Or maybe they don't like it when you push them off the couch because their hips hurt or their elbows hurt. And so they're going to bite or get grumbly. We don't feel that good when we get older and achy too. So dogs are very similar in that. Another thing that can cause aggression is genetics. There are people who will say, well, there are no bad dogs. It's only in how they're raised. And I have to say my personal experience is otherwise. It certainly is a major contributor, but some dogs are prone to be aggressive, I believe, due to genetics. Temperament is passed down from parent to puppy, just like the size of their bodies, the colors of their coat, what kind of tail they're going to have. It can be certainly passed down. That apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. And if you have really aggressive or really shy, fearful dogs, they can certainly pass those down. had a client once who adopted a puppy. And it was a seven-week-old puppy, which I don't believe should have been away from its litter. That's a different story. But their 12-year-old daughter went to put the leash on the puppy, and the puppy lunged, bit the girl's wrist, and went up her arm, biting all the way. Got her like four or five times towards her throat, and she was able to push the puppy off. This is at seven weeks. This is not good. This is not something that could be necessarily learned in that short amount of time. And they had no history on this dog. It was a litter that was just dumped off at the shelter. We don't know any kind of background. But this is the type of case where you got to think, wow, this is something that this dog is wired for. And it was, they did take the dog back to the shelter. It was not an appropriate dog for them. If the dog is doing that at seven weeks, it is not a good sign. So I do believe that genetics can certainly play a role. Abuse can also play a role. Yes, if you are abusive and if a dog is in a terrible, terrible situation, absolutely, it can contribute to a dog's aggression. I want to make a point though, that there are always stories of dogs that have had horrific starts in life, and yet they're such doll babies. A friend of mine years ago adopted a dog that was found in a dumpster. This was a little Shelty mix. And The little Sheltie mix was found with a broken pelvis, chemical burns on her body. One of her eyes had been perforated. The vet said it looked like someone had deliberately poked it with a needle and she was emaciated. She was in terrible, terrible shape, obviously from things that had to have been done to her by humans or a person or persons did this to her. And then they dumped her in the dumpster when they were done having their fun. This dog had no reason to love people at all. And she was the sweetest, kissiest, most loving dog towards people. It really was a lesson in overcoming terrible, terrible beginnings. Her name was Cindy Lou. I used to call her Cindy Lou Who after the Grinch. She was such a sweetheart. And as soon as she saw you coming, she would just start wagging and she would crawl in your lap and kiss your. She was so outgoing. So... Even though bad things happen to good dogs, some good dogs can overcome them. Not all dogs can, but some can. A lot of it is part of that genetic makeup, some, that little lump of clay that's going to grow up. Just like people. You know, Some people have terrible things that happen, and they end up just blaming their parents forever. The world is against them. And some people just go on and, and do wonderful things and help mankind, and even though they've had terrible beginnings. So that can play a part. There is another thing that can cause aggression in dogs, and that is harsh training techniques. If you are using harsh techniques to train your dog, it can certainly cause a dog to be aggressive. Another case I was on was supposed to be a house training case. The dog was peeing in the house, and the man in the home was spanking the dog, physically spanking the dog. Well, the dog started growling at him. So now we didn't only have a dog that peed in the house that we had to fix, but now we had a dog that didn't like men very much, and he would growl and snap at the man. There are lots of easier ways to deal with house training than beating your dog. It's completely unnecessary, but they cause that problem unwittingly, but they still cause the problem. There was another article in March that came out in Psychology Today by Dr. Stanley Coren, and it talked about a research study done in the UK about the type of dog training has on a dog's risk of aggression. And this covered, this particular study covered punishment-based techniques, like physical punishment, hitting the dog, like the guy did with the dog that peed on the carpet, verbal punishment, shouting, um, electrical or citronella collars, choke chains, prong collars, yanking on the leash, water pistols, electric fences, those types of things. It proved that these techniques increased the risk of aggression. They were associated with 2.9 times increased risk of aggression to family members and a 2.2 times increased risk of aggression to unfamiliar people outside of the household. So another good reason to be a proponent of positive reward-based training. It doesn't have the baggage that some of that other types of training has. If you have a dog that you suspect may be aggressive or you don't know, now that you've been listening to me, now you have your worries. Didn't mean to worry you. How do you know? Here's how you know. Growling. If a dog is growling over food or toys or people, if your significant other goes to give you a kiss and your dog growls at him, doesn't like it, we have a problem. Some people will try to make excuses for that dog, but it, we do have a problem that needs to be addressed. Again, it doesn't mean that the dog is evil. And I think some people wait to call me because they're afraid I'm going to tell them that the dog can't be saved. While that certainly is the case for some dogs, it is rare. It does depend on the dog. It depends on the people and following the protocol, but Don't be afraid to call for help. If your dog is overly fearful, if it's cringing when you go out in public and it's lip licking, head turning, yawning. Yawning can be a sign of stress in dogs. If it's being clingy and trying to stay on you or in you practically, you know, just terrified of things. Learn what those signals are because fear can lead to aggression. Plus that dog's not happy. We need to work with that that fear right there. There is a difference too about growling when a dog is playing. If you're playing tug with your puppy and he starts growling, don't panic. That's absolutely fine. Little growls are fine. Certain breeds are prone to rumbles. You talk about the Rottweiler rumble. They kind of have this deep-chested kind of... And so it's very typical of that breed. If you have questions, get help. Ask for a professional to determine what's going on. Because you have to look at everything in context. So if your little puppy is playing tug and starts growling, then, you know you're fine. If the puppy takes the toy away from you and you go to reach for it and then the puppy growls at you, aha, now we have an issue we've got to address. The most important thing is not to wait. Please don't be one of those clients that call and they've had a dog that has been doing this for five years. Now they're in their second trimester because they're expecting their first child and now they want to fix the dog. Because remember, practice makes perfect. If you have a dog that has practiced this behavior for five years, it's going to be so much harder to fix than if you call a professional the second it happens so you can head it off. So please, please don't wait. We don't want them to practice those behaviors anymore. Never punish a growl because you're not treating the problem. You're treating a symptom. If you bring the vacuum cleaner out and your dog growls and you yell at it, you're not fixing your dog's fear of vacuum cleaners. You're just teaching him not to growl anymore, and that's not a good situation. I always say that yelling at a dog for growling is like cutting the rattle off a rattlesnake. You're eliminating the warning system. We want to know that a dog growls. I love a dog that growls at me because he's telling me he has a problem. I would much rather we have that discussion ahead of time than for him to escalate and go straight to a bite. So don't punish a dog for growling. Get professional help. Sometimes it's going to require a trainer. Sometimes it's going to require a veterinary behaviorist with special training and education. And the ability to prescribe medication. Sometimes we work together. I love working with vet behaviorists in conjunction with each other to help a dog go through appropriate protocols. Find a trainer that uses reward-based training. You don't want to make that aggression worse with someone who's going to beat your dog to get him to stop growling. That's not effective. Sometimes... You're not going to be able to save them, and that is something you have to think about. But please don't ever let that be a reason to postpone getting help. There's always things you should at least explore before you make that decision too. Remember that owning an aggressive dog is a liability. There is no farm. People always want to say, well, they have this dog that has killed three cats and and growled at the children and the children's friends. And so they want to find the farm, the, the friendly farmer who will take in aggressive dogs. I have friends who are farmers. And uh, if you're a farmer listening to me now, you're, I'm sure that your main concerns are when is it going to rain? How am I going to get this crop in? Am I going to get a proper price for this? I've got cattle that are sick and need tending to. There are lots of things that farmers are concerned about that they're not sitting around the kitchen table over a cup of joe thinking, gosh, I hope more people drop off some aggressive dogs today to live here forever. I'm pretty sure that's not the case. So while there are some sanctuaries, they're all full. Most of them are full. So there is no magic solution to a dog that is truly a liability and you have to recognize it so that you don't lose your house and so that no one gets hurt in your family or someone else's family. Also keep in mind, an aggressive dog that is lashing out all the time is not happy. It's not a happy dog. If you're that upset that you feel that you have to lash out at the world on a consistent basis, you're not happy. So let's find treatment if we can for this dog and make it better. Are there bad dogs? Yes. Are there dogs that have bad behaviors we don't like? More so, yes. Um, I'm not sure we have all the answers, but hopefully now you've got some tips to help prevent good dogs from going bad in the first place, remember that prevention is the best way. Get your dog puppy socialization, proper training at an early age, and you'll prevent all these dogs from going bad at all. Thank you again for listening today. This has been T.O.D. Anderson on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. If you'd like to find us, you can find us on Facebook at the Positive Results page. You can find my website at getpositiveresults.com or you can write me here at Pet Life Radio. That's T.O.D. at petliferadio.com. T E O T I at PetLifeRadio.com. Thank you to my producers for making all of this happen, and we'll see you next time on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.